You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Good evening, family. Can everybody hear me, please? Good evening, everyone. Hey, Sam. Good evening. Good evening. Um, great to be here today. Hi, Nifemi. Good evening. Really happy so much for coming, um, for joining this um, online gathering. My name is Busola for the benefit of those who don't know. Um, my church family calls me BWS and I love it. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Thank you so much for Labi for that song. It's, uh, it's one of my own personal favorites. So thank you for singing it. Um, it's such a deep prayer. Thank you, Emmanuel, for leading us in prayer. Thank you so much for leading us in prayers. Um, God is here with us. And I'm excited at what he has prepared to do in all of our lives, including mine. Um, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We're grateful for another privilege to fellowship with you, um, to be here with you because you are here for us. You have come prepared to bless us, uh, to change us, to transform us, to fill us with wisdom and instruction. You know what each and every one of us is dealing with, and you're here to meet us at the point of our needs. We're grateful, Lord, and we give you all praise. We ask that you have your way. I ask, Lord, um, that your word will come forth. Um, in simplicity and with accuracy, and it will do an eternal working of soul. Um, we would all be blessed. I will be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this evening I'm going to be sharing with us peace in the process. We've, been, we've talked about prayer, we've talked about joy, you know, um, the ingredient in this season. And as I do that, in fact, for our entire lives, as, as God's just confused, because what God has said is very different from what is happening. And it just looks like we get very flustered with the word now. And everybody who's putting God, God will be very honest, because I have an experience I want to share. So who do you reach out to who's the first person i'm going to go to the chat section and just check what people are saying when you're in trouble your friend thank you jim okay depends on the version of the trouble okay so like when you're in girl trouble where you got a car trouble go to god first okay oh sharon yeah i can understand that your mom thank you stephanie your mom, well, in fact, you and I, we, we, I have a story that I'm, I'm going to share uh, so I can relate with that whole mom. Um, yeah, my, my, okay, your mom. Okay, okay. All right then. Um, so I've had different types of <laughs> troubles in my life. Um, just different things that happen uh, just by sh- the mere fact of existing in Lagos and on the face of this earth. Um, so this particular incident was, uh, a car, my car got flooded was well, my car got stuck in water actually. Yeah. It was several years back. I think we were just, I'm not even sure we had started life point free, but I had to go for a prayer meeting. I can never forget. It was a Saturday morning and I was going for a prayer meeting and it had been raining all night. Um, so my husband, when I told, I mean, woke up in the morning and said to him, well, I was going to church, prayer. I was like, it's raining and all and all. 
um, at that point in time, we didn't have an SUV. All of our cars were just regular, uh, what you might call them, not SUVs, uh, salon cars, yes. Um, and so he was just a little concerned. There's this part of our axis there that we can't even pass the Agungi side. All my Agungi people, they know what's up. When that place is flooded, it is horrible, you know. So he had said, oh, not to. In fact, he didn't want me to go that situation because it was still raining. But I insisted in my Shangri manner, God help me. I said, oh, no, that I needed to be in church and all of that stuff. That I was going to go through Chevron. And so I did, got into my car. It was a smooth ride to um, go in. I was at prayer meeting and it kept raining all through and all. And eventually, by the time we we're done and I was on my way back, my mind was, oh, I still Chevron is fine. It can, it can never be as bad as that would be. But alas, it, I was grossly mistaken. I got on that, um, for those who know my artists, anyway, just somewhere around everyone there, we had just begun the construction of all the housing estates um, in that axis. And so, I think all of the sand that trucks keep bringing and anyway, the drainages were blocked and there was water. A huge amount of water was on the road, just right in front of my gates. So you can imagine I'd made this thus far and um, yeah, just to get into my estate. So I remember just slowing down in front of one of the recently completed estates, just in opposite my gate. And I was wondering what to do. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, why, why don't you try and park your car? So, but even where I was, what I was gradually building up. So I just thought this, this was me being, so if, I guess also I was trying to protect myself. Like if I park my car here, then um, how am I going to get home? Like, am I going to walk in the water or something? Okay. Oh no. So I, yeah, we actually had one SUV. We had a CRV then I forgot, but I used, I used the salon car to church. Anyway, I then um, eventually, as I was still in there, just debating what to do, should I go, should I stay, should I, what to do, um, the exact type of my car starts to come in the opposite direction, in the water, and makes it through successfully. Alas, I just thought, yes, I can do this too. You know, I forgot that uh, it might be the same container, but the contents might just be very different. You know, so I, I then called my husband and said, oh, that's, the, it was there was a lot of flood in, in front of the gate and all, but the acre just passed by. I guess I was looking for some sort of affirmation as well, just in case anything goes bad. Um, we, we made the decision together. And he said, oh, okay, if you think you can, maybe you should. And then I get into the water. I had not gone far. And my car starts to jerk. Before I know it, my, as in water starts to seep through the doors. Finally, my pedals were covered in water. And in fact, it was just, <laughs> I didn't know what to, I started panicking because I'd not experienced it before. Like my feet was in water. I didn't know what to do. It was just very confusing. Now for some of you, it might seem like I, it's not, that, that wasn't a big deal or anything. But for me, it was because that was the first time I was experiencing such. And then I didn't know what to do. My car stops right in the middle of the ocean as far as I was concerned. And the first person I call is my mom. And I said, <laughs> and I remember just yelling on the phone. I don't know what to do. Wally warned me. That's my husband. He wanted me not to go to church with this car. But I insisted. Now I'm going to have to call him. And to be honest, I wasn't calling my mom because she could solve the problem. Or she wasn't, in fact, she wasn't even in Lagos. But I just needed somebody to share my, my present predicament with. And I know that for a lot of us, eventually, yeah, I'm sure you're wondering how that story ended up. My, my dear husband obviously had to come and sort it out. Amen. Thank God for great men. Yeah. So um, I shared that because 
there's so many things we go through in life. Some seemingly small, tiny issues, some nothing very crazy and some really significant, like life-threatening um, type issues. But regardless of whatever it is we're going through, um, God is with us. And this is a reminder that God is with us. I've had different things from flight turbulence. I remember one time going on a journey and just being, in, I think it was a nine-hour journey, and just being in the airplane and the thing just starts to miss me. But that's the first time I was experiencing it. Maybe some of you, you are very familiar with, uh, you, you fly a lot, so you, you, uh, air turbulence has nothing on you. That's you. Congratulations. But for me, it was very different. Um, I remember just praying in the Holy Ghost. I mean, the, air, the nose mask and all those things had not dropped yet, too. But the way the, the people around me were already shouting Jesus. Yeah, because it was just, it was a very bumpy ride. It was at night. You couldn't, and I see that usually when I fly, I sit by the window. I couldn't see anything outside aside from the wings of the of the airplane, and they were not looking very good. You know, they were just flapping, and um, some things on it were flapping. It was just very disconcerting. And I remember just saying, "God, is this the end? Like, is this it?" And I just kept praying in the spirit, and it did a, it did me a lot of good because what happened was I fell asleep. Yeah, I prayed in the Holy Ghost till I fell asleep, and. By the time I, I, it was such a deep sleep. Now I'm usually not a very deep sleeper, except I'm like super exhausted. But it was such a deep sleep, and it wasn't a sleep where I dreamt and saw Jesus, or I dreamt and saw the outcomes of that journey or anything. No, I just slept. Um, then the last one was when I got stuck in an elevator. Yes, that one did me it did me bad because I'm sure I wasn't in there maybe max more than ten minutes because the building was empty. Uh, people hadn't resumed. It was my, my former office. Um, people had not resumed. I was going to the ninth floor. I got to the foot of the stairs. Usually the elevator is, is not always on as at the time I resumed because I was preparing for my professional exam. So I was getting to work um, a bit early. So I'm talking like 5 a.m., 5.30-ish so that I could study. And I remember just getting to the I usually use the stairs. I was on the ninth floor. But this particular morning, I got there and the elevator was on. Apparently, I think they didn't turn it off the night before. Something ridiculous. Um, it was on. There was only one security guard at the reception. People were not around. And I very clearly heard that I should use the stairs. But I just thought, no, I will conserve energy. And then I got into the elevator. Alas, power went out. The maintenance person apparently had not resumed at that time. It was, it was not a very nice experience at all because I was in there. It felt like forever. I felt like I was there for an hour, but I suspect I must have been there less than 10 minutes. I had cried. I had shouted for help. You know, I was so, so, uh, what's the word now? I was so flustered that I didn't even know that there was an alarm button I could have pressed in the elevator. It was all dark. I used my phone light and I was just there screaming for help. Anybody, if anybody if I heard anybody passing or I thought I heard someone passing, I would scream for help, you know. Um, eventually, let's just say that they got me out. Um, the person who was trying to get me eventually was shouting, where are you? And I'm like, I, I don't even know where I am. I don't know what floor I am, but you just follow the sound of my voice. And I, by the time they, they pulled it open, because it wasn't as if power even came eventually, they pulled it open and I was stuck in between two floors. They had to pull me as they lift me up, you know, to get me out. And I remember just coming out and I began to shake very violently, you know, just the, I, the, the, the fear that had gripped me in there. 
and I slept. I got to my desk at, in the office and I slept for like three hours. So yeah, you might be wondering, maybe sleep is my go-to. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, but there's just something God does with me and with sleep. It helps me just reset. Anyway, so we have different fears. We all have different fears. That's the truth. Some people fear spiders. Some people fear flying roaches. If I ask us to start to pick what your fears are now, different things, different types of animals, bats, birds. Some people fear cats at night. You know, it symbolizes something to them. Especially if they've been watching a lot of African magic movies. You know, some I've engaged with people who have told me they've been afraid of the just the fear of adulting. Um, some people never want to be poor. You know, fear of poverty, fear of missing out, fear of the unknown. You know, rejection, fear of marrying wrongly. You're not even in a relationship yet. You're already concerned that you might have childbirth complications. You're already worried about how well you're going to fare in um, parenting. You're, and a lot of people are in this season are very much afraid of getting the coronavirus. But regardless, thank you. Somebody says I'm definitely scared of adulting. Thanks a lot for your honesty. You know, yeah, I, I find that people are we are very much afraid of different things, either in our present circumstance, things that are driven by the experiences we've had or experiences of others that we have been privileged to to see or be a part of, stories we've heard, or just the sheer fact that there is a 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years ahead of you, and you're wondering what am I going to do with it? How, how will my life pan out? You know, so today, like I said, we're discussing peace in our journey, peace in this process as, uh, as God takes us through, you know, um, what is the place of his peace in all of this? Um, our anchor scripture is from John chapter 14, verse 27. And the New King James Version says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I love the Passion Translation, uh, the, this version of it. It says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. You know, And with, with this scripture here, just to provide some context. So Jesus um, has spent some time, or he does spend some time before this chapter 14 and just in a few other chapters afterwards, just spends time with his disciples, preparing them for what is to come. You know, he was speaking to them about um, he, the fact that he was going to go away and all. You know, and they had seen him do all the good stuff. He had done miracles in their presence. He had healed people. Lazarus had been raised from the dead in a few chapters before now, you know, and I'm sure that they were all still reeling from all of these experiences. Then he starts to wash their feet at dinner together. He starts to talk about being betrayed and having to leave them for a short while. Uh, I mean, sorry, leave them in a short while. You know, this must have been very confusing for them for several reasons. I'm sure they had thought that he would be with them for a long while, at least till he was old and gray. That's what makes logical sense. Like, Jesus, you're not ill. Why do you have to be away? Why do you have to, you know, go to the Father? Why? Okay, if you're going, Peter would very boldly say to him, why? I want to go with you, you know, because all of the things that you've done here, I, I love them. I loved being a part of them. I mean, I'm learning the ropes from you. So you can't just up and leave, you know. So someone like Peter wasn't even expecting that journey to end very soon or quite abruptly after he was just getting a hang of things. But Jesus was saying to them in verse 1 of the 14th chapter, let not your heart be troubled. And he was addressing the state of distress that these guys were in. And I believe very strongly, just preparing for this, that this is what the Father is saying to us today. Let not your heart be troubled. 
Do not yield to fear. Do not give in to fear. That same scripture there, you know, my peace I give to you. That's what Jesus was saying. Not as the world gives, not as the world gives. So it means that there is a type of peace that the world gives. Passion translation describes it as a fragile peace. You know, it is temporal. It is hinged on the performance or the presence of an action, an event, or maybe even a person. The peace that the world gives we liken to the availability of wealth or financial stability. You know, some find this peace that the world gives, you know, this temporal fleeting peace. They find it through substances like, uh, they find it through drugs, alcohol, you know, through sex, through marriage. Now, I'm not saying that it's not, it's not okay for us to desire to be wealthy or prosperous. Absolutely not. You know, but when that becomes the sole purpose of, uh, of your, that, that becomes your, so, your solution to everything, then there is a problem, you know, because what happens when the money doesn't come? What happens when there is a, a loss of income? What happens when there is a pay cut? I remember the financial crisis that, you know, that hit the banking industry a couple of years back and people were committing suicides and all of that stuff. It was, it was a grave period, a grave season when, when stock, um, the stock uh, market crashed and people lost, people lost money in that season. You know, after a while was all them, you know, um, I can't remember their name now, Nospecto and all those, you know, those uh, money, what do you call them now? All these uh, pyramids, Ponzi schemes are still coming up. And a lot of people plugged into them and lost money as well. And some people ended their lives. So wealth, uh, prosperity is not, it's not the source of peace. Absolutely not. Neither do you find it through being, through getting married. Thinking that if I get married, all of my problems will be over. Absolutely not. If I have sex now, I will be fine. It can only provide temporal uh, pleasure or temporal, um, if you can't even find peace there, but yeah, it just satisfies just very temporarily. That is not the path of peace. That is not the way of peace. Engaging in substances, absolutely not. We're seeking peace in the wrong places. You know? um, and it's interesting to know that sometimes the very things we seek to make us peaceful can actually steal our peace. And a lot of times put us in even a worse condition than we were, we were previously. In comparison, let us examine the peace that Jesus offers when he says in this anchor scripture, my peace. He personalizes it and he says, my peace. The quality of that peace is very different. It is very different. It is a state of serenity, inner quietness, inner sense of security, tranquility that overrides whatever is going on externally, externally, no matter what. This peace has to do with Jesus himself and it comes from him. You know, uh, part of his responsibilities, as we see, if I may use the word or the term portfolio, as Isaiah reveals to us, um, is that he's the prince of peace. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 speaks about his reconciliatory work to produce peace between us and the Father. It says from verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether on earth, or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus made peace for us, you know, by reason of him going to the cross. And so he personalizes this and says it is his peace that he is willingly and freely offering to us. He offers us himself. His peace doesn't come and go with circumstances. It is not fleeting. It is not temporal, like the fragile peace that the world gives 
through the presence or absence of things or people. We look for peace in circumstances, really. But the truth is, it is found in, in a relationship with Jesus by faith. When we surrender our will and our ways to him, when we live in obedience and we just love him, when we walk in agreement with God, you know, and at this time, I would, I would like us to pause and ask ourselves these questions. Because someone might be here and you're thinking, yes, I've heard this before. Yes, Jesus is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Yes, he's the prince of peace. Yes, he's the source of peace. But I, I just feel like there isn't a connection. I feel like every time I try, you know, to, to, to just trust him with a particular matter, I feel like he, he sometimes lets me down. It's as though he doesn't come through, you know? And I would like someone here to ask themselves, is there something that you know that God doesn't know? Let's think about it. Do we have access to some information that we feel like God does not have? Do we think God is limited in his scope, in his, um, in, in his wisdom, that we feel we are better off trying to fix the issues of our lives ourselves? Do we have power that he doesn't have? You know, do we, do we have a, a certain level of strength that is sufficient enough for us just within ourselves? If your answer, family, to any of these questions that I have asked is no, then you need Jesus. You need him in your boat more than ever before. You need him in the good times and in the not so good times. You need him when there's a lot of craziness around us. You need him. You need the peace that he is so... Understanding. So if you have tried to explain God's peace, it is beyond you. It is beyond me. We can only describe how we feel when we are in a state of peace and with everything around us. But logically, dimension it's it's not it's 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 above our pay grade. If I mean, you say it that way, it is beyond our understanding. But it is not beyond our experience. You see, because Jesus went to the cross. For our sakes, he signed that pact of peace for our sake, so that we can live the lives that we have been created to and called to. The hope that we have is the fact that he has already signed that pact with his precious blood. That is what his his death and his resurrection symbolizes. He is the Prince of Peace, and so when Isaiah was prophesying about what he was coming to do, he was coming to you know reconcile us to the Father by reason of his death and his resurrection on the cross. He was going to restore to us a relationship that the devil had stolen from us. His peace gives us the capacity to make sense of the things that we don't, uh, the things that currently don't make sense. When we are in a state of peace, we understand better. We may not be able to explain it completely, like the loss of a dear one. We may not be able to explain it, like the loss of your job, the, you know, or a pay cut opportunities that you believe were rightfully yours, that you prayed, you even heard God, but somehow looks like it eluded you. There are so many things that don't make sense in our world. And so we need the peace that Jesus is offering to us. John chapter 16 verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome 
this was him still speaking to his disciples, you know, after they had spoken about the fact that he was going and he says to them not to be troubled. And he explains, he once again repeats it again in John 16. The presence of, of this peace doesn't mean the absence in our circumstances of all things that will trouble us. But it means because of the intimate relationship that we have, because we know who he is as his children, because of who he is in us, and because of who we are in him, because of the amazing promises that God has made to us, because of who he is within us, no matter the changing circumstances, you see, because every other thing is, is, is fleeting. Everything changes. The only, you know, person, I was going to say factor, but the only person who doesn't change is God. It's Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way he was in, uh, you know, in, in the days of, of uh, Moses, in the days of Daniel, in the days of Joshua. He's the same God today. He's the same God today. You know, so the, whatever comes our way, you know, there is a tranquility, a serenity, a calmness that anchors our souls. So we are not blown by the winds of adversity and heartache, pain, rejection, hurt, you know, but we are stabilized because Jesus is our peace. Guys, I put it to you. There is no other way. You see, the peace that you desire, you know, you, the, the, the things that we're trusting and believing God for, the things that trouble us, the things that make us, we say we lose our peace. Yes, the things that make us lose our peace. All that we need, we will find in him if we stay with him. A thriving relationship with Jesus is the path to peace. You know, the knowledge that there is absolutely nothing happening, that we don't already have victory over changes everything. That is why he went to the cross. You know, and it is important that I remind someone today that God is with you in this process. In this journey of your life, he's with you. And you need to believe it. You need to start to believe it. In fact, I sense very strongly somebody has stopped believing. Why? Because it does not look like it is adding up. It's not making sense to you. It looks like it's one trouble after another. What God says to remind you that I am with you in this. I am with you in this journey. I have your back. He has our backs, guys. What you are going through is not who you are. It doesn't define you. It should not shape the outcomes of your life. You are in a process and you are on a journey and you are coming out victorious because he has already gotten that victory for you even before you and I were born. Because Jesus did not just go to the cross. He had gone over 2,000 years ago. So what steals our peace and how do we lose our peace? Remember that the scripture says that the devil's agenda is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And as God's children, one of the things that he needs to steal from us is our peace. So you can't live in peace and continue in sin. That's the truth. Sin is a peace thief, if I may say that. Sin is a peace thief. It's a peace stealer. It's a peace inhibitor. And if I flip that statement around, you can't continue in sin or live in sin and expect to continue to be in peace. You will be flustered. You will be troubled. Things will not make sense all the time. You will feel like you are constantly on the edge looking for something to replace that, that vacuum, that, that void that seems to exist in your life. Another reason is when we are in disagreement with God over the details of our life. You know, and I remember Pastor Godman saying something a few weeks ago, you know, that our minds are too small 
to accommodate the details of our life, to plan the details of our life the way God has planned them. Our minds are too small. And that's the truth. No matter how well-read you are, no matter how well-schooled you are, no matter how your level of education, no matter how, you know, your, your mind is too small to fully comprehend and grasp all that the Father has written and spoken concerning you before you were formed in your mother's womb. It is too small to plan those details. It is too small to strategize those details and cause them to, to come into being. You know, Paul describes Jesus as our peace in Ephesians chapter 2. So lastly, just as I wrap up, what is our responsibility on this journey? What is our responsibility? The first is that we must claim what is rightfully ours. We have peace. God, I mean, Jesus is our peace. He has readily made this peace available to us. And so we must take it. We must receive it. And we must um, enforce, you know, the manifestation of peace over our lives, over our hearts, over our situation, on a daily basis, over everything we are going through. But it starts with knowing who you are. It starts with your identity. Who are you? You need to ask yourself. Once you can answer that I am the child of God, then that's the step, you know, that's the step in the right direction. That's, that's the first thing. Because you are God's child, by reason of relationship, by reason of your position, there are so many things that you have access to. And you need to enforce your position into your location. You need to enforce your position, who God has made you to be, the fact that you're his child, the fact that you are, he has given you peace, that you have joy, that you have love, you know, these things and more. His promises you must enforce into your everyday circumstance. The second thing is what do we have as God's children? We have the spirit of God living within us. We have him living with us. You know, the awesome supernatural power of God resides in us. And as such, the potential for everything that God has prepared within us is there. It is available. That is, those are the things that we have. When we walk and we live from, you know, this knowledge, this place, we see life very differently. We don't see life as God setting us up to fail. Imagine if that was what Joseph was thinking when he was in the prison, you know, Imagine if that was what, you know, the, the children of Israel were, I mean, those guys are they're a different bunch. So let me just even stick with, you know, people that we can, we see their testimonies. But just imagine that they just thought God, God was setting them up to fail. All of the guys we read in the scriptures, we hear of people's testimony. I mean, last week, Nifemi shared his, his, his God experience and how God came through for him, you know, over his job. There are certain things we have by reason of relationship. And we must enforce those things. We must, we must pray them into being. We must declare them. We must declare God's word. You see, because what God has written and spoken concerning you is much more powerful than what is happening in and around you. It is much more powerful. And that is what we must stick with. The truth. Okay? So, um, lastly, I'd, I'd like to say to us, we need to focus some of us need to refocus because we have had our attention in the wrong place. We have been focusing on the issues. We have been focusing on what is missing, what we have lost. We have been focusing on the numbers. We are tracking the COVID numbers and it is putting us in a state of perpetual panic. Some people have not gone out, out of fear. I mean, yes, there is the wisdom of being safe. But if you are largely driven by fear, 
then there is a problem because that's not the life God has called you to. Scripture says that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. So when trials and tribulations come, when troubles come, and they will come, because that's what the scripture says in John 16, 33. That's what Jesus says. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome already. I have overcome already on your behalf. You know, we need to set our face as a thing. We need to refocus and change perspective. We've been looking at the wrong things. It is time to stop looking at the magnitude of the problems and the challenges before us. Because it is stealing our peace. It is causing us to be anxious. Some people have had increased levels of uh, 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 blood pressure, heightened blood pressure, and just different things that is ailing your health. Why? Because you have lost your peace. You are so worried. And I'm not, guys, listen to me. I'm not saying we should become mediocre or complacent and not plan our lives or, or, or desire to forge our head or desire more. Absolutely not. But they have, we need the right strategies to be able to do this. We have to operate from a place of peace, a place of knowledge that God is in control. You know, a place of understanding where we partner with him. Remember what I had said, when we're in disagreement with God over his will for our lives, when we want to work things out in our own understanding, then we run into problems. We run into problems and we lose our peace. So focus, the focus has to be in the right place and it should be on Jesus on the cross. It needs to be on Jesus. You know, someone might be asking, when in pain, do I focus on him? And the answer is yes. You see, because focusing on the pain does not lessen the pain. It does not, it does not reduce the pain. Absolutely not. So if that is not working, how about we try what, what has the potential to work? What has been tested and trusted? What has been proven over time to work? He reassures us that he will take us through whatever it is we're going through. And he will bring us out victoriously. You don't have money in your pocket. Your bank account is reading zero. Yes, you are victorious. It doesn't change who you are. It does not redefine you. You are struggling with your, you know, your mental health. It does not redefine you. It does not, it, it does not change who you are. You are God's child. You are precious to him. And he wants his peace to indwell you. I'm reminded lastly, this is the very last and I promise, of the Shunammite woman, you know, in 2 Kings 4, where, you know, um, Elisha had prayed with her you know, and, you know, she had a child. And the same gift of God eventually passes on. The child dies. And she sends, you know, she, she gets up. She, t- she tells her, her husband, asks her, where are you going? I'm going to see the prophet. Why are you going to see the prophet on the Sabbath? She says, all is well. We need to change our language too. Just preparing for this, the Holy Spirit was reminding me. There's a way. So we try a lot not to be very Christianese or to speak Christianese. And we say, oh, it is well. When we say it is well, it has no meaning. Absolutely not. Bible says, say to the righteous, it is well. It, it, it is well is a, is a prophecy. It is a declaration over our situation. So when we say it, we're not trying to be, you, you know, overtly funny or weird or spooky. It is because we are decreeing heaven's, uh, the, the kingdom of God, his will over that matter. That it is God's will that will be enforced over the matter. And she will say this to, to her husband. When they meet her on the way, she will say the same thing, all is well. When Gehazi, uh, Elisha sent Gehazi, he meets her up to say, is why you, you know, is everything okay? She says, all is well. Why? Because she knew that every other person she was encountering, every other person she was speaking to, did not have the power to change the situation. 
They absolutely had zero power to change the situation. So what is the use sitting and speaking and telling and crying? And remember the first question I asked, who do we run to when we're in trouble? Who do we run to when we're in trouble? You know, so guys, we need to change focus and begin to see things differently from God's perspective and begin to speak differently over our lives and over our situation. And I want us to pray. I want us to just pray very quickly. You know, and, and someone needs to just ask God that his peace would fill their hearts. You said, uh, peace is described as Bishaya prayed. It's one of the outworkings of the fruit of the Spirit of God in us. The, you know, the, the fruit of our human spirit produces peace. But it is when it is in tandem with the Spirit of God, when it is in agreement with the Spirit of God. So can we just speak peace over whatever issue, whatever situation is ailing you, whatever it is that is going on with you right now. Just decree the peace of God in the name of the Lord Jesus and begin to declare that you trust the Lord more, that you trust him because you know that he will keep his word. Our Father and our God, we come before you today as your children. And we say, Lord, that when, when we just take a look at the things going on in and around us, around our world today, we have several reasons to worry, several reasons to fear. But when we look at you, our faces are radiant. We declare that is our experience in the name of the Lord Jesus, that we are not ashamed. When we think about our future, we declare that it is glorious. Why? Because you have promised us so. And that we work with wisdom in achieving, and, and we partner with you in achieving and delivering the things that you have mapped out for us from the foundations of the world. We declare, Father, that every other thing fades away. We declare, Lord, that every negative voice is silenced. We remember, Lord, we call to remembrance your unfailing love, your unsurpassed wisdom, your unending goodness, your unrivaled power. And we say, Lord, in the midst of every storm, we declare, Lord, that we are at peace because you are on our side. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have prayed. And if there's anyone here, you know, you, you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, may I invite you to. You have, because of the season, fallen away. You, you know, you, you, you don't trust him anymore. You think that he has let you down. May I please ask that you try again. Will you trust God again? And I want you to just say this prayer very quickly. Dear God, I come before your throne of mercy today and I receive your mercy. And I ask Lord that I confess you with my mouth that you are God, you are Lord and you died for me. You, you rose that I, I would live a transformed and a victorious life. I receive your peace right now in the name of Jesus. I receive the life that you have called me to, the new life that you so graciously give. And I decide from today, Lord, that I will walk with you, that I will journey with you. I will trust you with the outcomes of my life, with the process. I will be patient in the process. And let I ask that your will alone be accomplished in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We have prayed and agreed. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG. 